Hi, this is Bill Crystal. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. I wanted to tell you about a new program I've begun with the Foundation for Constitutional Government. It's called Conversations, and I invite leading figures in American political and intellectual life for in-depth discussions. Recent ones we've had include Vice President Dick Cheney, General Jack Keane, and Peter Thiel. You can find these and all the conversations online at our website, which is conversationswithbillcrystal.org. They're also available on YouTube and on iTunes. So if you register at the website, conversationswithbillcrystal.org, we'll send you emails to alert you to the new ones we add every two weeks. I think you'll enjoy them. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, uh, uh, once again, the story that dominates the headlines is the Ferguson story and its aftermath, and in particular, the actions of President Obama and now Attorney General Eric Holder, who was in Atlanta yesterday at kind of ground zero for the civil rights movement, uh, kind of affirming the notion that there is, in fact, widespread injustice inside the justice system when it comes to black Americans. It's really amazing to me that an attorney general does that. Did he cite any studies? I mean, is, is there data that support this? And if there is, incidentally, shouldn't he have been focused on this over the last six years? The Justice Department has a fair amount of leverage with police departments. But, in fact, it's, there was one incident, a very unfortunate incident, a tragic incident. Uh, people can second-guess that police officer all they want, but the grand jury met in a very serious way, and there's an awful lot of evidence that suggested he, he acted within the confines of the law, and obviously he wasn't, they didn't pursue the case. And that's the main thing the Attorney General of the United States and the President of the United States have to do in these circumstances, especially when public passions are somewhat aroused, is say, I'm sorry, there's a rule of law here in this country. And in any one instance, of course, there's a ju- cause there could be judgment calls and things can go awry. We cannot have a situation where we take the law into our own hands. And we can't really have a situation where, because of our own political predilections, because of racial identity politics, because of all kinds of other agendas, we, we, we use a case to sort of advance another, a uh, broader agenda. The broader agenda should stand or fall by, on the merits, but it's really demagogic and, 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 and uh, damaging, really, to the rule of law, to liberal democracy, I would almost say, to take any instance and blow it up and then stir up passions rather than calm them, which I'm afraid is what the Attorney General, to some degree the President, has been doing. Uh, I, to me, what uh, jumps out about where we are now is that Mike Brown was a very... Uh, uh, problematic uh, choice for this story to be told. And what's interesting is I, I'm in Atlanta. I do talk radio in Atlanta. I get a lot of callers who happen to be black. And the overwhelming number of them who've said, Michael, you don't understand. Here's what happened to me. And so I think what's happened is kind of we were at the, I, I, the movement's almost at the Sarah Palin moment where Palin was wrong on some of the particulars when she first started the conversation back in 2008, but she was right in the big picture. And I wonder, what about the argument that this case may not be the right case to start the conversation, Bill, but that there are millions of black Americans who say, look, this isn't about statistics or whatever. Here's me. Here's what happened to me when I was 18 or here's what happened to me last week. And that uh, dismissing those legitimate earnest feelings, not from the nuts who are screaming, you know, the cops a murderer, but from mainstream American black citizens is uh, is a mistake. Well, I think that's right. But I mean, these are being done People have complaints presumably about their own police departments, and you know, and they should take electoral and other recourse uh, uh, to deal with the uh, if there are abuses in those departments. And there are genuine abuses. God knows. I mean, I remember in New York City under Giuliani, there were these ter- terrible cases of genuinely innocent people being, uh, or whether they were innocent or not, but just being totally badly treated, inappropriately treated, illegally, you know, wrongfully treated by. 
by cops. Uh, it happens, and the, those cops should be disciplined. But it do you generalize from that that Rudy Giuliani's anti-crime policies were wrong, that the New York police force is just a den of racists and, uh, and bigots? I don't think so. And I think, in fact, the broader... I don't think we have a criminal justice system that's fundamentally broken in this country. And I think to say that we do really invites all kinds of bad... I mean, if you believe that, then, they, then President Obama and Attorney General Holder should have been fighting hard for legislation for six years to fix it, right? But it's really irresponsible when you've been president for six years. To, there's one incident. Passions get stirred up, I do think, by a lot of irresponsible reporting in the media. And then to say, oh, my God, uh, we need to suddenly do things to, to respond to passions that have been, I think, unfortunately stirred up. All right, but look, if people have real grievances, I take that point. But the worst thing you can then do is attach it to a very problematic case and also end up in the streets with a bunch of uh, people, many of whom are destroying property and, and, and doing foolish things. You know, uh, one of the uh, hard parts of trying to get people to kind of have an honest, you know, balanced conversation about this is some of the behavior by the people who seized the Michael Brown story and, or the missed story. We now know that it's factually, you know, the hands up, don't shoot was factually incorrect. But the, maybe the lowest point of that for me, Bill, was when I realized that in the summit meeting yesterday with the president, no one from the Ferguson Police Department was invited. No one. That chair was empty. But Al Sharpton had been invited and was in the room. I mean, I, how can you possibly ask people of goodwill who ha- want to defend the police and find balance to say, okay, okay, I get your point. Let's let Al Sharpton make it for you. No, and I think a lot of the rhetoric has just been uh, totally unaware, of, you know, uh, disrespectful, to say the least, of police forces across the country. Yeah, but you're right. And to have no one from, from the actual police force of Ferguson in the room, but... But more broadly, I mean, this, there is this kind of liberally contempt for the police, belief that they're all, you know, bigots or like potential bigots just itching for a chance to show off their bigotry. They look at the AMA, make a lot of tough judgment calls. And I understand that a lot of black Americans probably do get pulled over because, unfortunately, the crime rate among African Americans is higher. And therefore, when people are looking for a suspect or someone's behaving in a way that could be interpreted to be suspicious, even if it isn't, those people probably get called over and interrogated a little more than I. I would, and and that's unfortunate. I don't think it's the end of the world, to be honest. Now, if they're abused and if they're, uh, you know, really treated wrong, that is wrong, and that should be brought to the attention of the authorities. But it's not as if people aren't aware of these abuses and don't try to correct them in this day and age. So, I really think it's done a terrible disservice to people who sincerely want to make some fixes to policing and to criminal justice, which might be healthy. This has been a terrible disservice to them. If I react now, and I frankly think a majority of Americans probably do, to say, well, you know what? People are just using this excuse to bash the cops, to bash America, to, to, to sort of uh, litigate a kind of really distasteful grievance politics, and I'm not interested in listening to them. So unfortunately, the, to get back to your earlier point, some probably legitimate complaints are getting lost, thrown out, you know, uh, with the bathwater here. But there's another, I think, a broader concern that I think people who are trying to have a balanced conversation defend the, the police and point out the facts in the Michael Brown case, which is when people over and over again, uh, uh, when white observers keep going over again back to 93% of uh, young black men who are killed, in, who die violently, die at the hands of other young black men, and you know, talk about crime and really focus on 
uh, the uh, negative you know, issues inside the black community. It's so easy for black Americans to hear that as, see, Republicans just don't care. Republicans don't care about what's happening here. Republicans have no interest whatsoever. They're either pro-cop, no matter what, or anti-black, or both. And I, I wonder if that's not a, a sort of a political trap that the activists on the, uh, who, are, who are exploiting the Michael Brown story are kind of happy to see Republicans fall into. Well, they may think it's a political trap, but I, and I, I honestly believe this. I'm, I don't think anyone should exploit this for political reasons. But I think the politics of this are entirely to Republicans' benefit. I mean, Republicans, unfortunately, already don't get many African-American votes, and an awful lot of middle America, and an awful lot of I do think of African-Americans and other minorities who are victims of crime and who are, who are worried about being victims of crime. You know, they think the cops are kind of the thin blue line between them and chaos, and then they see the chaos in the streets, and they see people inciting and being cavalier about violence to property, and then, you know, how much does that take to slide over to violence to people? Even so, violence to property, you work hard, you save all your money, you buy a little store, and then it gets burned down, and people are treating it, oh, well, come on, that's just a, like, side, you know, you're, you're just like a, 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 a drive-by, you know, shooting, so to speak, and, and in the cause of social justice. People hate that, and they're right to really hate it. You know, Lincoln spoke so eloquently when he was very young, his first great speech, it's about the importance of the rule of law and of, of uh, public officials standing up against demagogic passions on any side. It's the one thing you really need to preserve in a country like ours is a basic rule of law. And then, of course, uh, change laws in a democratic way. Make sure laws are enforced fairly and, uh, and again, in a democratic way. And, but you cannot have this kind of cavalier attitude uh, towards the rule of law that so many people have now shown towards, especially the prosecutor and the grand jury, where I think they did... You know, they seem to have done a very diligent job. No attorney I know thinks there were grounds to indict. And incidentally, would it have mattered? The, you know, Rodney King, the, the officers who, who, who beat up Rodney King were indicted. They were then acquitted. And then there were riots in, in LA that I think you know, dozens of people died. So if you want to, um, you know, be unhappy, there's plenty to be unhappy about. And I do think that's one lesson people have. To, it's a huge country. You know, 330 million people. I don't know how many police officers there are, but they're a heck of a lot. Some of them are going to do some things that they shouldn't do or do foolish things or make some bad judgments, or a couple of them will do really, you know, things they, they intentionally know are, are wrong. They should be punished, but you do not want to get in a situation that's really bad for the country to sort of call the whole law enforcement and criminal justice system into question. And it's wrong. It's wrong. It's, on the whole, the criminal justice system is unbelievably much better than it was 50, 60 years ago, and a lot better than it was 10, 20 years ago. The professionalism of the police uh, has, has been improved, and in fact, we've reduced crime. So it's really perverse to make this a kind of crisis when it really isn't one. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned about how people feel about the uh, Ferguson Grand Jury, a new poll out today from uh, ABC News and uh, the Washington Post finds that a slim majority of Americans think that the Grand Jury got it right, they handled the case right, but by a 10 or 15 point margin, they think the grand jury's done a better job on the case than President Obama has done handling the case. So President Obama's less popular than the Ferguson grand jury, which can't be good news for the White House. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. Isn't it? But really the lesson from that is that President Obama should not be like involved in the case. And that is really a very important that President shows some self-restraint on this sort of thing. Because it's just, not, not, they're not 
you know, charged with making the decision. Their role is to try to stay above the fray. And when and he's try, he sort of half understands that, but half the time he does sound judicious and says, let's all calm down. But then he can't resist, and certainly Attorney General Holder can't resist, and, and, and then, you know, his aides can't do, resist, and then he has Al Sharpton in the White House. So he can't resist a certain amount of pandering, honestly, I think using this issue to try to make other points and advance another agenda, or he doesn't want to look out of step with African Americans who allegedly are, are so upset. And uh, But it's doing no service, honestly, to African Americans. Even if they, even if there remain legitimate complaints about police departments, to associate oneself in any way with Al Sharpton or with any kind of uh, mob activity, or with a kind of cavalier sense of, well, I know better. I've, you know, I've skimmed some articles in the newspaper, and I know better than that grand jury. Even if the, the rule of law depends on public officials standing aside and letting the legal and judicial process work, and so I, I do think this, I, this, I really do blame. President Obama, somewhat personally, but especially his administration, especially the Attorney General, for just seeming to have no understanding of the distinction between what he might think as an individual, as a private citizen, and what his role is as the chief law enforcement officer of the nation. And then the question is, when the Department of Justice doesn't indict anyone, which they almost certainly are not, based right. on all the lawyers I've talked to, what happens then? But I want to ask, leave you one last question, because I happen to agree with you that the politics particularly in the short-term, favor the Republicans. They, it hurts Democrats. And I've, I've heard a conversation going on something like this. The decision that the president's made to from 2008 on to govern from the you know kind of left coalition inside the Democratic Party, to just get your turnout crazy among minority voters and young voters and single women, has left the next Democratic nominee, likely Hillary Clinton, in a really bad spot because when you're pumping up that base because of their personal affinity for Barack Obama, you're driving all of these center people in your party away from you. And this this story is a good example. A lot, a lot of Democrats are uncomfortable with this idea of just trashing the police department's wholesale or celebrating uh, you know, a guy who was involved in a fistfight with a police officer. Is this, is it, could, can you see this coming back and biting the Democrats? Democratic Party as a whole, if they become kind of the fringe party that we were told for forever the Tea Party Republican Party was going to become? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. Uh, look, I mean, maybe I'm just behind the lines. I still think it was very important that Bill Clinton took the Democratic Party back from that kind of McGovernite fringe where it seemed that they just were on, totally on the side of any demonstrator who showed up and anyone who claimed an injustice and were totally willing to trash American institutions and cops and a lot of other people who most of us think work pretty hard and take some real risks and and uh, public servants, you know, for the who deserve to be respected. Um, and so I think that was Bill Clinton's message, that's for sure. Uh, Hillary Clinton would be ironic if, if his wife <laughs> is the person who pays the price for Barack Obama going so much in a different direction. And, you know, at times he's resisted that, but, but I do think with Ferguson, it's a, he, he got dragged along on that. But I, I do really blame the media, and I, as you know, I'm not a big blame-the-media guy. I think often their influence is, is exaggerated. But I've got to say on Ferguson, I think they've just decided this good ratings. It's an exciting story. They're all liberals, uh, they, and they just, they just love it. I can just tell from talking to... Uh, frankly, to producers and bookers, you know, hey, we can feature Ferguson again today. Let's do it, even if there's no real news. And even if Iran is getting nuclear weapons and ISIS is marauding through the Middle East and Obamacare is, is, is falling short of expectations and there's huge debates going on about immigration and a million other issues are, you know, front and center, you'd think. But, but they just, they really don't mind stirring the, you know, sort of stirring the pot. And I, I do think it's, 
unfortunate. I mean, you can't tell people what to write about, what to cover on TV. And of course, you know, we were talking about it today because everyone else was talking about it. And I, I don't think we're stirring the pot. I hope we're trying to uh, unstir the pot here a little <laughs> bit, but um, cool the pot down. But, but I do think this is a case where. Um, race is a very sensitive matter in America. People really should bend over backwards to be responsible in discussing race, and not in, in, in rather than doing what what they're doing, which is sort of whipping up anger and 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 uh, and in, you know inciting, I think, people to do things they probably will think better of themselves in a month or two. Uh, it's interesting to hear you uh, talking about stirring the pot, because of course we turned to you in the Weekly Standard podcast, Bill, to stir up. My gr- my uh, Jewish uh, mother-in-law says you're a cuff left, cuff left, like, no, cuff like left, good Yiddish time, word. I like, stir- I like that, that is a yes. I, yeah, I like stirring the pot. It's all fun to do it with. It. We're talking about presidential races and you know and politics and, and and stuff. And it's all I'm not a dour person who thinks everyone <laughs> has to be incredibly grim and serious all the time. But but race is sort of different, and people should be more responsible. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time on this podcast. My pleasure, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.